Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, gang. If you enjoy Rom Crime, Avrin and I ask that you please review, rate, and subscribe. We love creating this show for you all, and we want to keep doing it. Thank you for your support. Now, on to the show. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, ma'am. All right. Awesome. Hi, guys. Hi. I'm Vanya. I'm the Rom. And I'm Avrin. And I'm the crime. That's right. She is. I am the crime. And this is Rom Crime. This is our true crime comedy podcast. With romantic greeting cards. Because <laughs> it's Valentine's Day, everybody. Hey, happy Valentine's Day, Well, Vanya. it's not yet, but you know, when you, depending on when you listen to this, happy Valentine's Day. It might be Valentine's. It's um, Valentine's Day week. It's exactly. Exactly. So that counts, right? That's right. And I think it's high holy times for us. I don't know. I mean, I mean, rom crime. It's romantic. It's, it's high holy times for you at the very least. I guess so. you're the rom. Yeah, but you want to know what's crazy? Hmm. I don't fucking like Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah? No, I don't. I mean, yes. Why not? No, I don't. Um, okay. Well, there's a couple reasons why I don't really like it. There's, okay. So I, I was a server. That's one reason. I was a yep, server yep. and every, honestly, there's two horrible days in the world to work. Mm-hmm. Horrible, horrible days that like change you inside and kill your soul a little. <laughs> one of them is Mother's Day. Yes. That's the worst fucking day. That is day. a brunch you will never, ever recover from. It's, it steals from your soul and so I hate that um, and people have such high expectations but also have high expectations for fucking Valentine's Day yep. um, because also if you work in a restaurant depending on where it's they generally do like a prefix menu something so it's like, special yes it's special and it always ends in a fucking dessert so you can't like turn and burn the tables yep. like you want and they want to linger it's a romantic oh, holiday hold hands and look but at you know what also eyes. like I'm just going to say this yeah. It's just dining out. If you're going to put all of your fucking eggs in the dining out for this occasion I basket, know, I know. Like figure out some of your life choices. I know. Because I know. the amount of people that get so frustrated yeah. on those two specific and days mean. you're talking. Yeah. And just it's just a meal. It's just a meal. And our good friends Xavier likes to say, it's not that deep. It's just burgers and beer bitches. Like, <laughs> relax. like why are you why are you acting like 
this is the worst thing that's ever happened oh my to God. you because so your, your meat was medium instead of medium well. This I'm is so the thing. Sorry. Everyone needs to be a server at some point. I mean, yeah. I'm proud of, I'm proud that I was and I will probably do it again in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the truth is, is like it really makes you have so much more empathy for people. So that's why I hate it. I hate, I just, ugh, I hate it. So that's one reason I hate <laughs> it. Right. The other reason is I don't like fake you know what I mean? I think right. maybe it's I'm, a greeting card holiday. It's like I'm the like, I'm yes yes. It's like, like chocolate and Hallmark cards yeah. got together and they were like, let's yeah. create a holiday yeah. where we can really maximize profits. Exactly. And okay. Good lord, have they done it? I know, but you know what I do like? Mm. Galentine's Day. Yay! I fucking <laughs> love it. That's from Thirty Rock, right? Isn't that where it came uh, from? I, or I was, it was it Parks and Rec? It might have been Parks and Rec. It was Parks and Rec because when Rashida Jones and uh, Amy Poehler they anyways, have a Galentine's. That's right, Day. Galentine's Day. Also, wonderful episode to watch. Yeah. I think I might watch. And that. Galentine's Day is what the thirteenth. I guess so. Yeah, like it's the, the day before. The day before. I say we take Valentine's Day, and like let it completely overrun Valentine's Day, and February fourteenth yeah. just yeah. becomes Valentine's Day, and yeah. that can be whatever it means to you. It's about love. Because I'm gonna say, here's what I I'm the crime, and I'm gonna come in here with this. Do here's it. what I love about Valentine's Tell Day. Tell me, I want to know. I love chocolate, <laughs> and I specifically like. Biting into pieces of chocolate things that I don't know what the center is oh, going to be filled with fun. and finding one that just pleases the fuck out of oh, me. Oh, that is fun. Because there's a lot I don't like. Yeah. I'm not big on the coconut. I oh. don't like... Um, what about that weird raspberry like the, one? No, I like any yeah. kind of fruit filling. Yeah. It to me. Like a vanilla cream, a strawberry cream, a raspberry okay. cream. But a cherry cordial that's like goopy and has an actual weird dried, like half dried maraschino cherry. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, but I love that shit. And also, whenever it's a I think good of reason. Valentine's Day, because I love chocolate so much, yeah. I think of the fact that as soon as it is Valentine's Day and everything in the Dwayne Reed or wherever you get your stuff, yeah. I guess it would be like Rite Aids or Walgreens out here. Or, yeah, CVS. CVS. Um, yeah. Everything goes on sale on Valentine's Day. But the best thing is, is that the oh. second it's February 15th, do you know what pops up on those motherfucking shelves? What? Cadbury eggs. Oh shit! Which is my favorite of all the chocolate. Yeah, I do candies. like those too. All right, fine. I like it because of that too. <laughs> it's funny for somebody who like loves ro- romantic mm-hmm. uh, comedies. I r- actual. I, I I mean, I have issues. Okay, I have issues. I'm a complex human being. That's right. I'm layered, and I have multifaceted You're like an feelings. Onion, Vanya. <laughs> I am an onion. I'm a red onion, so I'm super you make bitter. Me cry. I do with all of your romantic oh loving notions. It's like I just like I say I'm aggressively. Op- optimistic but I think I have a lot of fear too so I'm just I'm just a pickle. You're a complex individual yeah, yeah. which I love. Thank you. It's one of my favorite things about you. Oh my you. god I love you so much. Happy Galentine's Happy Galentine's Day. Let's what's today? What's the date today? Uh, today is the 10th. We're recording on the Let's 10th. Let's go ahead and say that this whole week is Galentine's yeah, Day. Yeah I love my bitches. I love my bitches. I do. Oh my god I miss <laughs> you guys so much. Jesus Mary and Joseph. Really reminisce about our time in New York where we had our whole lady coven together. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we yeah, would yeah. routinely get together oh. and no Valentine's Day. We did it Day. once a quarter. Yeah, once once every season. Every quarterly. Yeah, yeah. Quarterly. <laughs> but we would get together and we would just, yeah. Make food. And love on each other. Love on each other. With no reason other than, hey, we haven't done this this winter or I this know. spring or this fall. And was, I miss you guys a I lot. know. I miss <laughs> you guys too. All of you. Um, well, so this this week's episode, our theme is... Till death do us part. Yes, ma'am. Till death do us part. Yeah. We're going to do something kind of different, too. Oh, yeah. Vanya and I, we um, 
No mistakes this time. This is on purpose. Uh-huh. We're each going to tell you guys a different story. Right. Because remember the last time we did that? <laughs> it was when I, uh, it was the, uh, it was the parachute, the fucking parachute yeah. episode or story. And I, I re- researched the wrong parachute okay, murder because in what universe did we know? And I was like, just Google parachute love triangle. Yeah. That, multiple options were going to come up for you. I know. So anyways, that was fun. So, but this time we're doing it on purpose. (laughs) So we're each going to tell a story about um, a crime that fits in with our theme of till death to last bar. Exactly. And Vanya, you're going to start, I'm going to start? Okay, yeah. yeah, I'll totally start. Okay, so I was thinking, I'm like, you know, I I was thinking a lot about... Gosh, you know, old when old people, so there's so many stories. There's so many fucking stories of people getting super, super old and being married for like 65, 70 years. And then like one person, one person goes and the second person like dies in the next like, like two weeks. Well, yeah. Or and sometimes closer. like 45 minutes or an hour. What? Yes. Oh, okay. There are like a ton of stories. I'm like, right. no shit. No, people at that just all. don't want to live without yeah. the other person. And, and so I looked up, I'm like, can you die of a broken heart? Can but you? The, so it's called the widow effect. Okay. And um, the widow effect is the increase in the probability of a person dying a relatively short time after their longtime spouse has died. Okay, so the pattern indicates a sharp increase in risk of death for the widower, particularly, particularly but not exclusively, in the three months closest thereafter the death of the spouse. Anyways, so the process That's of... That's an actual medical thing? Yeah. It's the process of losing... They die... Sh- okay, so yeah, it's, it's called dying of a broken heart, but the, they've called it the widowhood effect. Becoming a widow is often very detrimental and life-changing t- a life-changing time, right, in a spouse's life, but then it forces them to go through these changes that they may or may not have anticipated, you know, and so it like fucks them up. So your heart is hurting Aww. and then every, and, and they're, they're old, old and you know, yeah. like really you've old. Been to, if you, if you've been able to be with someone and they were taking care of each other and you've never, you don't really know what life is like without them. Yeah. So the, that's really romantic. Yeah. Responses of grief sad. and bereavement due to the loss of a spouse increases vulnerability to psychological Can and Can you die from illness. a broken heart? Just like from a bad breakup? Um, maybe I guess <laughs> if you really, I think what happens and it mostly happens in women apparently or, Generally, more so in women, and then very old. But you you get heart disease, and then your heart just stops. Oh, I know. Because of a scumbag, or because you're married for a long time. I don't know. I think it's usually it's usually like real long dense heart. Like they say, it also could be like a child or a parent right. or something. So you but can like, die of a broken heart. You can. Wow. I know. Okay, so that was the thing that I was like. That's what my little mind started sparking on. I'm like, what could I find that would sort of like be Death in that by world? Heart. Yeah. And so I was also thinking this is like totally fictional, but like, do you remember the where the red fern grows? Yeah. And do you remember the two dogs? Yeah. And they fine. die. I, I don't mean, like the animals. Now. I don't either, but like that book harked me up when I was little. Yeah. I honestly like it. It seared such a deep. It was as if I was traumatized by yeah. by reading it. It you know it was like beaches was that for me. Oh yeah, yeah. And that was that was two lady friends. Oh my god, sisters totally. if you will. But yeah. that that must be where my love of Valentine's Day comes in. Yeah, but that was the first time I remember That's ever a good movie ever watching or experiencing something that was so very obviously outside of my own experience, but right. that felt so personal yes. and the loss felt personal. Oh my god, because man, I cried. Yeah, I cried. And cried and cried. Okay, so speaking of crying, I have a confession to make. Okay. Um, I mean, this, like, everybody's going to be like, fuck you. No, you don't. But I have never seen The Notebook. <laughs> I've never seen it. 
I swear to God. So, and I, and oh, I mean, man. it came out like what are you talk- 17 years ago. Yeah, like, I'm, like 2004 or something. I right? know. I don't need. Yeah. So I, okay. Do so you not I think, know that Ryan Gosling is in it? You know, I do, but I am, he's fine, but he's what? not my favorite. I know. I'm sorry, Ryan huh? Gosling. I'm sure you're listening. Don't worry. <laughs> you're Even special Mendes will too. bend your broken heart after you hear <laughs> no, this. No, he is cute. And actually after watching this, I'm like, Mama Mary, yeah, hello. <laughs> oh my God. So I, I was like, what are you talking now about? Now I understand. Like, I, I think know. the first thing I saw him in was like, what was the one where he plays like the weird guy who like, ma- like is in love with a mannequin? Oh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first thing I saw. That was so I was way like, after the Notebook. Oh, okay. Well, I'm behind the times. My favorite Ryan Gosling movie is called Murder by Numbers, and it is a Ooh. true crime thriller starring Sandra Bullock and Ryan Gosling, and what? it's where they met and started dating in real life. What? But it is based on a true story about these two super rich kids. Uh huh. It's set in a totally different time period because the story is based off of something that happened in like the 1920s in Chicago, Mm. but they basically take that story and bring it into whatever year it came out that time period. Wow. And it's Ryan Gosling and Michael Pitt are the two actors. And I don't don't know know who is murder by numbers, murder by numbers. Check it out. If you're looking for a good true crime that has Ryan Gosling in it. So you can also call it. a Okay. So I will say that this movie is, I, so good it's so good and i have to be honest i just want to give like a quick if i can like a little synopsis for anyone out there also, who hasn't who's seen the it name of the writer that wrote the notebook and all of the other oh nicholas sparks nicholas sparks. he was like it was based on yeah there's a lot of movies based on his books y- you know it's just it makes me want to read romantic novels this mm-hmm. movie because sometimes you just need that like kind of you know hurt. just like no cynicism yeah, totally purely like romantic cheeseballness yes but like no irony right it's exactly. refreshing I mean, it, is, it is and i'm not used to it i'm so no. i'm such a smart ass sarcastic you know person yeah. it was actually hard for me when I, okay so i press play it's on netflix right now and i press play and i swear to god i had the feeling that i get before i watched i know something's gonna be really scary <laughs> like i literally had the dread of like oh my god i, I was like fuck this is gonna be sad because yeah. i know the ending that's okay so so to get back to the point you know the widowhood of effect the broke dying of a broken heart uh by the way spoiler alert if you haven't <laughs> seen it which it's been 17 16 i don't know years. 17 years so fuck yourself so, please, <laughs> i am sorry just kidding we don't mean to spoil it but yeah. Surprise. The notebook ends in a sad way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but I knew that, right? I right. guess I knew that. So I was like scared, but I was like, okay, I, I wonder if there's, you know, p- real people out here like that. But I was like, I should probably see the notebook if I'm yeah. going to reference it. So I watched it. Mm-hmm. And, and guys, it's everything. I, I can't even. You never knew you always wanted. I never knew I always <laughs> wanted it. Um, Nick Cassavetes directed it. He is the son of John Cassavetes. Oh, from Deer Hunter and all those great uh-huh. movies. And his mother is Gina Rollins, Rollins oh, who, who plays the mom in this movie. See, look, I've seen the movie and I didn't know and any of that And her name is show. Allie in the movie, I think it is, yeah. Okay, so the first line. Mm-hmm. This is what um, James Garner's character, the older older. Ryan Gosling. His, his name's Noah is the character. Noah and Allie. Yeah, All Noah right, we're up to Allie. speed. Yeah. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> and he says, I am nothing special of this, I'm sure. I am a common man with common thoughts, and I've led a common life. There are no monuments dedicated to me, and my name will soon be forgotten. But I've loved another with all my heart and soul. And to me, this has always been enough. 
I was like, my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I'm like already like getting all misty in my eyes. I'm you like, motherfucker. You guys should just know Vanya's probably going to cry. I, I, I swear I might. And so it starts out in, their, in, the, in the elderly, the home for the elderly. And Allie has dementia. And Noah comes in to read her a notebook. It's a notebook that she wrote to herself for him to read to her every right. day and he, he, the doctors don't believe him but she comes back every once in a while which yeah. is a thing that happens with Alzheimer's right it? Like, uh, yeah well, I, until they're dementia, completely gone there's yeah. definitely moments I think of lucidity with yes. it, and that's what's so heartbreaking about that disease is that totally. not just for the person who's suffering it which is one of the most horrible things I can imagine going through is like not remembering who you are yeah and then having or remembering only parts of who you are and not knowing where you are right now and that things have changed from your the memory that you do have. But I know for the family too is they, they do yeah. come back and they remember things. And then as soon as, as quickly as that happens, they're gone again. And so you, it's like you lose this person over and over and over. Oh my God, that's so upsetting. So def to define it, Alzheimer's disease is an irreversible progressive brain disorder that slo slowly destroys memory and thinking skills and eventually the ability to carry out the simplest tasks. Uh, okay. Yeah, my so, grandpa. My grandpa died of. Did he? Well, he died of a heart. Uh, yeah. A heart attack, but he had he had dementia pretty severely. How old end. was he? Seventy-seven. Okay, God, it's there's so many things about this disease that is scary. You know, it's I think like our biggest fear. There's many fears, of course, in humanity, but like we're afraid of losing control. I'm afraid of losing. I okay. Just side note: right after I had my child, my second child. And he was like month, a couple months old. I had like a horrible vertigo attack right. where the world was spinning and it spun for like two days straight. I mean, I could, I was vomiting. Yeah. I went to the ER because I, I thought I was having a stroke, but I needed to take care of my kids. It was the worst feeling in the right. world of feeling like I could Completely couldn't. out of control. Yeah. But also still like needed. Yeah. And I, not knowing how to do both. I mean, my husband, God bless him, he brought the baby to my breast to like feed. I mean, and I could, I could barely, I had to have a, I was just yeah. like, well, I couldn't hold any food you down. You had to keep your eyes closed, I'm sure, just yeah. to not feel like you were turning upside down all the time. Yeah. It's so awful. The idea that, God. Okay. So what I'm saying is it's scary just even thinking about that. But the, the story of the notebook, which I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Um, we could totally do a whole podcast on like going through every single because it's really good, you guys. It's just like it really goes into their love affair. They're like, and then uh, when how hard it was for them to make it to each other. Yes, they oh, fought yeah. for that shit. That's right. She I haven't was seen from this a rich movie family, in probably twelve years, and he was from like a poor working class family. And his daddy was Sam, played by Sh Sam Shepard, whom which, I love, which was great, by the way. I did a scene with Sam Shepard. <gasps> When I was like super Shepherd? pregnant, yeah. I mean, they oh, cut out. Right. I had no lines actually in the actual movie, but I was a pregnant waitress, <laughs> and uh, I bring him a beer. And actually, him and that's Don right. Johnson. I'm, I'm pretty sure I was super jealous of you, and I was like, "You met, you <laughs> yeah. acted across Sam Shepard." Yeah. He was cool, you know. He was really sweet. He had like nice things to say, but he was Henri. He was Henri too. I like that. But Don Johnson was like, "You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen." And I was like, "I." Don Johnson and I was I gave birth like two days later and my mm -hmm. obstetrician because we filmed like three hours away it was like you shouldn't have left the city right. I was like, like but oh. I was in a movie I just didn't Don know. Johnson and Sam Shepard yeah so I did anyways I mean guys I'm not special I basically I'm an surprised extra that <laughs> your child's middle name isn't like Don Shepard or Don <laughs> yeah that'd be amazing I should have <laughs> Um, so yeah, anyway, he, he, so, but the thing is she, he builds this house, he buy, he gets the money, buys this old house on the lake and God bless him. Anyways, 
towards the end, he's he loves her so much, and they die together. That's all. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I had the whole thing, and I wanted to... Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Though they do die together. He has a heart well, attack, she... and they put her in a weird... Oh, yeah. I don't do, even do, know. He, he says, do you think our love can make miracles? That's what she says. He comes back, and the nurse... Oh, yeah. The nurse does a thing where... So he has a heart attack, and he goes away, and then he gets... He's better, and he's back in the nursing home. And the nurse plays fake. She's like, I'm going to go get some coffee, wink, wink, <laughs> you for another hour. Fun. So she go, he goes in. Um, and, you know, it's always the fear of him, her not recognizing him and, like, freaking right. out because it happens, it happens in the movie. And James Garner, did he win an Oscar for it? No. Do you remember when he's crying? Yes. Holy shit. The I, like, movie is sobbed. So sad. James Garner is an amazing actor. I know he's passed. Rest in peace. But, like, oh, my God. So, anyways, she, he goes in there to the bedroom and she wakes up and it's her. And it's like Allie. And she says, do you think our love can make miracles? Do you think our love can take us away together? And he scoots into her tiny twin bed and they hold hands and sleep and they leave their bodies together. <laughs> and I ugly cry so hard. <laughs> like I literally, I, 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 I turned my camera because I was like, oh, this would be funny because I'm like, like crying. Right. I, I, I could post this on our Instagram. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, I... I look like, like I'm truly. Oh yeah, it's crying. not coming down my yeah. nose, and I don't. I have bangs. I have curly bangs, and it was in the middle of the night. So my, anyways, okay. So that. Anyways, was, what she means is her hair looked beautiful, I, but she was I, ugly crying. I was ugly, ugly, <laughs> ugly crying, um, guys. But it was so good. It was such a nice, cathartic movie to watch. Yeah, sometimes Even, a good cry, is, and so is a horror movie, right? Like you get scared and you go absolutely. nuts, and then well. uh, people watch. I feel like people watch horror movies. For the adrenaline. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's the, the boo factor, the like wondering when the scary thing is going to happen yeah. or jump out or yeah. slash your throat or whatever totally. it is. It puts you on such edge that you get that same like hype as if you That's were, I don't know, going to jump out of an airplane. Oh and sometimes a good romantic comedy provides the same. I mean, that is what Hence provided rom me. crime. Yeah. Although this was like a romantic drama, I think. Yeah, that was not a comedy. Although I do love when they finally fuck, um, or excuse me, when they finally make love. She's like, she's like, how come, how come it took us so long time, so long to do that? Can we do it again? And I was like, oh. <laughs> yes, queens. Okay, so to my actual story. Oh, that was nope. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Okay, no, I tried to get through that fast because okay, so my actual crime because that's you know fiction. Yeah. It's okay, so it's based on uh. One of our listeners, actually, uh, Ashley from Lawrence, Kansas. We love you so much, Ashley. Yes, she sent us this idea, and it was a. It's from an article in the New York New York Times. The article is entitled "Sweethearts Forever." Then came Alzheimer's, murder, and suicide. Wow, it's so about light, lighthearted mm -hmm. Valentine's yep, Day fair. They were absolutely soulmates. Was the quote? So Alma and Richard Shaver were married for sixty years. They had known each other since childhood. In 1956, he asked her to the Candyland Cotillion. Um, cotillion. Know, yeah, Cotillion. That was the word. Remember when I kept saying debutante yes, ball? Yes, from our Arizona episode. From the socialite sociopath. Yes. Cotillion was the word that I was like, I'm using the wrong word. <laughs> so sorry to interrupt. Keep mm. going. But that was the word no, I was I looking love it. for. So yes, so the Candyland Cotillion. And I guess he grabs her dance card. and they Because people actually have dance cards. Cards with like... You know, slots to fill. Slots to fill, baby. And there's fill seven of them. <laughs> and he grabs it. He writes his name on all seven lines. Aww. Richard Shaver, Richard Shaver, Richard. And she comes home and announces to her parents, I am going to marry Richard Shaver. I love it. And they do. 
Um, they raised three daughters together and apparently they were really just like obsessed with each other. He was like an electrical engineer and he worked for NASA and like oh. a bunch of play AT. I think he worked wherever all over. I think she was a homemaker, but apparently, you know, she was like a girl scout leader and like everyone who knew them were just like very drawn to their charisma and their intimate into each other. Yeah. And, and you know, they laughed a lot. And 60 years. Is and they no loved each other. Joke, yeah. 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 So friends were drawn. Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm just turning my, the page of my notes. <laughs> so Richard, so they, they, they describe Richard as strong willed and charismatic. Um, he was bright and fiercely independent. He insisted on doing like home repairs by himself. So he's like kind of a control freak. I can totally relate. Although I won't do home repairs by myself because I'm not <laughs> not handy like that. But I, I understand like, you know, you're young and you've always done things for yourself. So you're I get to fucking fix your porch exactly. by yourself. Yes. <laughs> Alma was also strong willed and but she was also warm. She was meticulous about her home and her appearance. Um, yeah. Oh, and also a weird fact about her is like apparently she was like a lot of people's emergency contact because she was that, just that kind of person. She you was know? that reliable. Yeah. So anyways, a few years back, we're like in now, now time, you know, Al Alma is diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Mm. And I defined that for you guys earlier when we were talking about um, the notebook. But it, it's super sad. You know, the disease progressed as it does, of course, uh, and Alma eventually forgets how to do simple tasks and her own children's faces. So like... Yeah. You know, it's really... That's hard. It must be so hard. I have a friend who's gone through it with their parent, and I just, uh, you know, it seems that it just seems really awful. I don't know how one goes through it, you know? Not without being forever changed. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, Richard is 79 and Alma's 80. And Ooh, Kuga. I know. That's like how it's me like and my you, husband are. Yeah. yeah. I'm like one year older than him. And I always like to joke that I'm like a cougar. Um, but he looks older than me, so it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love him so much. He's my baby. Uh did I make you puke yet? Sorry. Um Okay. So but he would like do everything for her. He took care of her when yeah. she was going through all of this. He picked out her clothes. He would like he left notes everywhere just explaining simple tasks because she would get confused right. and stuff like that so um, he was a diligent caregiver yeah he was and um yeah he maintained as well as he could but eventually she would forget him more and more and you know i, I think one time he she had like violent outbursts being like who the fuck get out of my house scared yeah. of him um uh, much like that scene in the notebook just saying mm. and he it really rattled him it really yeah. freaked him out um by the spring of 2019 things got really bad um, her, his, their daughter, Karen McDonald wanted to buy him a home near her. He declined. Um, he didn't want to talk about it. He was just like, mind your own business. I'm taking care of it. His whole life. This is what the daughter says. His whole life was about her. She was the most important, not the kids or the grandkids. It was her. He didn't want to be a burden and he didn't want to go to a nursing, nursing home. Like there's a bunch of quotes of him saying like, you know, basically hell no i'm not gonna go there like I'm right, i'll look after her like i'll I, and and or like you know i don't think he ever expected to die before her or to die after her you know right so it's like a man who doesn't want to go to a nursing home mm -hmm. doesn't want her to be in one doesn't want her like, to be scared I'm gonna take care of her yeah. until it's over okay so on a sunny afternoon in june in 2019 so 
not too too long yeah. ago. Richard Shaver waited until he and Alma were alone in their home. She was upstairs sleeping. They lived on this uh, like lagoon or whatever, right on the water. And when they were both well, he would like take his boat out and she would be waiting for him on the porch. And yeah, it's like a beautiful afternoon. But she's sleeping because it was the only time that at this point she really found um, peace. Right. You know, otherwise it was like she was scared and confused most of the time. Richard goes upstairs. He crawls into bed with her and he shoots her in the back of the head. He then lays down beside her and he puts the barrel in his mouth and he shoots himself. Their bodies were discovered on June 10th after police arrived for a welfare check because his mom couldn't or his daughter couldn't get a hold of him. The coroner's reports would reveal that Alma tested positive for the painkiller oxymorphone and that Richard had metastatic tumors on his liver and kidneys and suffered from emphysema. Authorities would file away the deaths as a murder-suicide, an act of domestic violence. Mm. Yeah. So that is kind of not as romantic as the notebook. But in a way, so there's a lot of back. It's very interesting because I. Well, I just have a question. So they say that he had tumors all over his body. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. was that basically him being like, I'm definitely dying. Yeah. And I won't be able to look out for her anymore. Yeah. And so I think the kindest thing to do is like, we'll go together. I think so. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, I think there was some backlash to the story because, you know, uh, shot her in the head. Well, yeah, because uh, apparently there's a bunch of abuse against the disabled. Well, it's uncomfortable, you know, it's uncomfortable. It's like, why didn't you just, I don't know, give her too many of those pain pills you were talking about that were in her system. Well, the problem is is she couldn't swallow as much. That was the other thing. He apparently they found a box of pain pills and stuff and she couldn't really... So she wasn't really able to swallow I think pills, his so. original plan was to okay. do something like that. Because I will say that's like the one jarring thing when you're like, yeah. well, he shot her in the head. Yeah. But they don't even know how he got the gun either. Wow. They have no idea how he got the revolver. But the backlash um, was, you know, came back criticizing the article. A woman named Kia Brown, a 28-year-old writer and disability rights activist, was one of the many voices who took to Twitter to protest the framing of the story. Um, you know, because it was very romanticized. So they, she said, in choosing to position the Shaver's story as a love story, she argues um, the Times is effectively suggesting that murder is justifiable if the victim is enough of a burden to the perpetrator. Oh, what an ugly way of looking at it. I know. Well, that is such a sad thing. I, I felt like I had to mention this. No, because of course, because you also shouldn't sugarcoat the fact that like he did shoot her in the back yeah, of the head. But yeah. I don't know. Part of I mean, maybe that's the like so, secret romantic within me. That's yeah. like when you've been with somebody for that long yeah. and you're taking care of them and then it turns out you're dying and you're not going to be able to take care yeah. of them. And like life as it is now is really not worth living the way you're living it. And you're like, we could just go out. I don't know. It seems like a mercy killing. Right. Totally. And uh, I think um, there's a couple. But I mean, no, I I, I, I'm with you. But I only thought differently after reading a little bit of this. But there's a couple sides of that coin, I guess, because, um, you know, uh, side note, I, I was a, a guest on a podcast called Am I an Asshole? Mm-hmm. Am I 
an asshole podcast. With, and are um, you? <laughs> well, I think in the end I kind of was, but um, my, uh, so you basically, I talk with hosts uh, Rosie Guarino and Jackie Viscuzzi about, so they have somebody on and like, are you an asshole for, you know, cutting people off at, um, while you're driving? And then you kind of talk about it and a therapist comes on. And in my episode, um, I said, am I an asshole for avoiding the elderly? But it's, oh. it's well, you know, because sure, a yeah. lot of it is like my fear of, you know, getting older, getting older being my first job was in an assisted living home oh, was it so really? I have a lot of thoughts about that well it's really interesting so they brought on this amazing uh, therapist who does geriatric uh, like mental health and this is where I think poor Richard Shaver you know he was obviously in a it was part of a different time or whatever an older man but like what if he had help like a mental help mental therapy while he's going through this because he didn't clearly didn't see any other option and yes he thought this was a mercy thing and and yes maybe it was but I I think like I just I just wish for him that he had a little more mental support which is hard to hard to do for older people because they don't they're not they don't want it they yeah they're not used to it well, and it's so interesting. It's, that's fascinating. And I want to hear more about what you think about that. Because when I yeah. hear the story just offhand, what comes to mind is it, that's a mercy killing. Like, I love this woman. She's no yeah. longer the woman that she was. I'm the only one who can take care of her. And I'm not going to be around anymore. Right. And so we'll just go out together. But yeah. if maybe he had been open yeah. to some help. Yeah, it wouldn't have had to end that way. Maybe not. And you know, they did say they didn't. They didn't know if she had had if they before she went completely, you know, mm-hmm. senile or whatever. If she if they had talked about what, what the plans wanted. they wanted, you right. know, like that's a big who knows? thing too. You know, it's like what are those? There's the states where like you have the legal option to end your own life, right? You know, and that's not everywhere. Mm. But there are certain states where you can say you know, say you have some terminal disease and it's going to be painful. Oh, yeah. That you have the right legally huh. to commit suicide. Oh, wow. I think Washington State, where you're from, oh, is really? one of them. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and I wish that I knew the actual, like, legal term for that. Yeah. But it's basically... Well, I just remember hearing about Dr. It's right Kevorkian, to, It's right, right to die. Right. When Dr. Kevorkian was was so... The person um, who did it, like, illegally or something. Yeah, or he was so controversial because committing suicide is immoral technically right, and right, illegal right but now there are certain states where you there's a right to die protection under people that can just choose to say yeah. i have a terminal diagnosis that right. i will not there is nothing that will ever happen that will make this better i right. will die right and it's going to be incredibly painful or humiliating or whatever yeah accompanies the death sentence that you have and you can choose to end your own life in a legal way yeah I, mean, I support I that. I support that too. I support that 100%. But then if you're not with your right body of sound body of mind, you know, it's like, right. oh my god. I was listening to something and and they were talking about cuz have I have two kids, you know, and I'm always worried about like the end you know, what if my husband and I are in a plane together and we both go down? Like, we don't, we haven't written a, a will. Like, we have no binding documents that tell what we need to do. And I was reading somewhere where they say, like, d- do a Google Share doc and put all, everything you want. And yes, it's like kind of so morbid. Morbid, but I kind of think that's not a bad idea. I actually should probably do that. Well, I think it's one, that's one of those weird things in life. Like, I don't have children. And so, if something were to happen to me and my husband, 
Vanya, please adopt our dog. I will take absolutely good care of him. If take my mom dog. doesn't fight you for oh, custody. Oh, no, I'll take No, we have she, to. She probably will. She'll be like, it's I fine. got it. Well, but, but if my, my mom, kids but would love the dog. Of course. So. And if for some reason, you know, this happened. <laughs> now I'm mad. I'm like, it's mine. When, She's Brody's mine. <laughs> but because we don't because we don't have kids, you know, it's not as pressing, I think, of an issue. And I think yeah. you're right. As uncomfortable as it is, yeah. you know, to face the reality that, you know, if something should happen, God forbid, to both of you. Yeah. And that's so unlikely. Right. You know, and there's so many things where I know that my mom, our whole lives was always really weird anytime we would all travel say like on an airplane together uh-huh. she would try to stagger things so that like my dad and a couple of us would be yeah. on a different flight i feel like your mom and i are so alike yeah i'm but not I was kidding like, but if we're all on the same flight and it goes down then we're just all gone yeah so you don't have to worry no about pain it. Every, or well, no everyone's heart just, every, well, no, no one's dying of a broken heart <laughs> but if it was just the two of them yeah she would yeah. get really uncomfortable anytime they were both on a plane the together. first time i was away from my daughter when she was little we went to my friend's uh, my friend Tim and Liz's wedding mm-hmm. and we took a plane down um, it was in Joshua Tree but we went from Washington Se- we went from Seattle to LA it was the bumpy and it was a tiny plane mm. it was the bumpiest flight and I was like oh my god right. I was like and still to this day in my entire time of flying and I have flown a lot it, right. that is the worst flight I've ever had right. it's like, like when you together. like go down stories yeah oh and your stomach is just like dropping out of itself every yeah yeah. but i will say even if you don't have kids like the your stuff if you have any kind of money if you have you know luckily we don't worry about that i know i'm like good luck everybody i leave my debt to (laughs) no one you're welcome world it will just evaporate into thin air. Oh, is that what happens? I don't I know. Hope so. God, God help us. Um, but anyways, okay. So that's that's my story. I mean, right. but you know, it. I think it's beautiful. I I choose uh, until I started reading the Twitter feedback and stuff like that. Um, the, okay. Oh, this is what that girl tweeted. She said, um, "Me, stop rom- romanticizing murder of the disabled ill people." Twitter. You have no idea the toll it takes to care for a disabled person. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. It's none of your business. Exclamation point. Me. We're talking her. Yeah. A disabled person. You have no idea how it feels to have your life boiled down to being worthy of murder. Oof. Yeah. Well. On that note. I appreciate actually. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. What a romantic story, Vanya. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Let's go back to uh, Ryan Gosling taking his pants off. (laughs) And making her come but twice. But I do. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure that was what happened. That was what. Uh, that's why she was so upset. That it was waited. inferred. Inferred that yeah. it was that good. Well, um, that was a tragic story. Thank you. And um, <laughs> not, not as as romantic as I guess I was hoping for <laughs> on this here Valentine's Day show. <laughs> and now we're gonna see if my story stands up to our theme of till death do us part. Okay. So I have to start by saying, Vanya, yes. are you familiar with the? I guess, Instagram slash Facebook blog of Humans of New York. Oh, yeah. Okay. I love so Humans of New York. So for those of you that aren't familiar, it is, it's just this amazing, there's a photographer who goes around not just New York City, but primarily New York City. Yeah. Sometimes he or she, I feel like it's a he. I think it's a I think gentleman. It's a, I think it's a gentleman. Sometimes they travel to other places and spend a lot of time and they do photographic like storytelling from other locales, but it's mostly New York. And what... What they do is they'll just 
be walking around New York and so that someone will catch their eye. Yeah. They'll ask permission to take a photo of them and then kind of just ask them a question about either what it is they're doing in that moment or tell me about your life. It's and there so are these amazing, they're just these amazing like snapshots of humanity. And recently on Humans of New York, mm-hmm. there was this 11 part, I'm just going to say it, true crime romantic comedy what? series that appeared and it kind of rolled out slowly enough to build that anticipation and I was dying watching it. It was just, or watching it, looking at it and waiting for yeah. the next thing to show up. But it was just so good. So I have chosen to cover the story of Bobby and Cheryl Love featured in the gorgeous humanitarian blog Humans of New York, Ooh. which is where I got 100% of all of the information we'll, we'll link to, to it because the photos what i haven't seen them but yeah. i assume they're gorgeous they're, they're gorgeous amazing. and wonderful and the yeah. story is so great okay so settle in children while i read you a story okay also feel free to interrupt me bon, questions. <laughs> <clears throat> it was just a normal morning for cheryl love back in 2015 she was in the kitchen making a cup of tea her husband bobby love was still sleeping in their bedroom when she heard a knock at the door when she cracked the door open 12 police officers barged into her home. She knew it was serious because some of these officers had the letters FBI written on the back of their coats. Uh-oh. The police charged into the bedroom and asked Cheryl's husband what his name was. She heard him say, Bobby Love. Then the officer asked, no, what's your real name? Cheryl couldn't hear her husband's quiet reply. But after that, the officer stood Bobby up, placed him in handcuffs, and said, you had a good long run, didn't you? Cheryl was hysterical. She was screaming at Bobby, what's going on? What did you do? And Bobby replied, this goes way back, Cheryl, back before I met you, way back to North Carolina. Intrigued? I am so intrigued. This was the best fucking blog thing I've ever seen. And this is real. This is all all real. Bobby Love was born Walter Miller. He grew up in a poor but happy home and had a normal childhood until... He attended a Sam Cooke concert when he was 14 years old. He was so excited to be at the show, and he managed to push his way all the way up to the front of the stage. The crowd was going wild and dancing like crazy, and Sam Cooke did not like this. He kept telling the crowd, just sit down, calm down. And when they wouldn't, they continued to dance and be kind of wild. Sam got mad, and after only playing two songs, he left the stage. Uh Uh-oh. So a 14-year-old Walter shouts, Sam Cook ain't shit. Uh-oh. And because this is North Carolina, and because this is 1964, that shout was enough to get Walter arrested <gasps> for disorderly conduct. And things went downhill for him from there. Walter oh. started stealing purses out of cars. He stole government checks out of mailboxes. And when he was caught stealing from the band room at his high school, That was the last straw, and Walter was sent to a juvenile detention center. It was called Morrison Training School, and Walter fucking hated this place. The kids were violent, and he was getting beat up all the time. In this whole blog thing, he even mentions that he still has scars from the fights he got into at this juvenile detention center. So, at night, when it was lights out, Walter could hear the whistle of a freight train in the distance. And he occupied himself by imagining all the places that that train might be going. So one night, when a guard wasn't paying attention, Walter just ran out the back door towards the sound of the train whistle, 
Walter followed those train tracks all the way to Washington, D.C., where, it just so happens, one of his brothers was living. And things seemed to be turning around for him. But after a while, he fell in with a bad crowd again. 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 <laughs> I have, like, serious dry mouth from your story and apparently this tequila soda I'm drinking. And this bad crowd he fell into, they liked to rob banks. And before long, Walter was tagging along. The gang liked to go down to North Carolina because those banks had way less security. And uh, for Walter, this was fun. The feeling of having money was fun. Yeah. Finally. Acting like ballers. Yeah. But the fun didn't last long because during a robbery, one of the bank tellers pulled the silent alarm and as the gang was exiting the bank, the cops were waiting for them outside. So... Things are nuts. Walter's like, I'm gonna, I gotta get out of here. He tries to run, he tries to escape, but he's ultimately shot in the buttocks. Ow. Mm -hmm. And he wakes up in the hospital. So, and these are all basically in his and Cheryl's own words through the blog. So everything that I say, for the most part, is a quote from either him or her. Okay. So it was all over for Walter Miller after that. He was sentenced to 25 to 30 years in prison. What? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that seem like a lot? Yeah. For well, I guess it wasn't a first time. He was arrested for the disorderly conduct. And he was stealing things and sent to juvie. So his record would suggest, I guess, that he was a troubled that youth. Seems like and now, death, now he's though. I mean, like yeah. I mean, it's also a different time. Okay, it's like the fine. late sixties. And but, he's not. He he's not white. I assume. And he's not white. Yeah. So uh, he the book is thrown at him, and uh, he is given twenty five to thirty so years. So messed up. So while he's in prison. Walter's mom passes away. And after that, he promised himself that he would do better. He would be better. Walter became a model prisoner. His behavior was so good, in fact, that he was actually transferred down the hill from the maximum security prison he was in to a minimum security facility. So this place, he described, was more like summer camp. The inmates could walk around the yard. They could make phone calls. Walter even had his own radio show that was played on the local college station. Oh, my God. He should start a podcast. He should. Oh, my God. He probably will. Okay. Walter was okay (laughs) here. He felt good. He had no plans to try and escape. That is until the day somebody screamed, punk ass, at the prison captain as he was walking through the parking lot. It was dark outside, and the prison captain could not see who had said that, but he became positive that Walter Miller was the loudmouth. After that, things were bad for Walter. He got written up for all kinds of things, like faking illnesses, being late. He was moved from his cushy kitchen uh, duty job to the road, which is the worst job you can have at the prison. It's where they wake the inmates up before sunrise, and they take them on a bus out to the highway to pick up trash. Mm. And he said, not only was it, an exhausting, difficult, manual job, but also on the highway, the drivers that were driving by would actually throw trash at the inmates out of the car windows. Things had gotten so bad that Walter was actually only one bad mark away from being transferred back up the hill to the maximum security facility. So feeling like that transfer was imminent, Walter started to plot and plan his escape. He memorized the bus route that they took every day to the road. He saved up all of his money. And he picked up on the fact that the Tuesday guard never, ever searched the inmates. 
So one Monday night, he made the decision that this would be his last night in prison. Yes. Walter cleaned out his locker before lights out, and he made sure that there would be no pieces of paper with names or phone numbers or addresses or anything they could use to track him down. He had one civilian outfit that he had because he wore it when he went to the radio station to do his show. So he put that on under his prison uniform, and he crawled into bed. He didn't sleep a wink that night. At sunrise, the prisoners who worked the road boarded the bus, and Walter took a seat at the very back next to the emergency exit. When the bus stopped at an intersection near a heavily wooded area, Walter opened the exit door and took off. He shed his prisoner's uniform and never looked Woo! back. Go, Roger! <laughs> Eventually, Walter got to the bus or station. Walter, not Roger. Go, Walter! <laughs> we love you, Walter! Eventually, Walter got to the bus station where he took the Greyhound bus to New York City. It was 1977. Wow. On the trip, a young lady struck up a conversation with Walter, and when she asked him his name, he said, I'm Bobby Love. When Bobby Love arrived in New York City, he had $100 to his name and... That's not bad. Not not so bad. Saved up that money. And no usable identity. Right. They couldn't use any of his information because he was an escaped convict. Right. So, after spending two weeks hiding out out at a motel, surviving on hot dogs and marijuana, which is incidentally (laughs) the name of my husband's future autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby managed to get a social security card, a birth certificate, and a driver's license. And he used all of his new papers to get a job at the cafeteria of the Baptist Medical Center. And that's where Bobby Love would meet Cheryl. Cheryl was the complete opposite of Bobby. She was soft and sweet, almost naive in a way. They started dating, and Cheryl never pressed Bobby for any more details than he was willing to give. He told her he was from the South. That was true. And that he had come to New York to try something new. That was also true. But he never told her about Walter Miller. And as far as he was concerned, Walter had died back in North Carolina. Yeah. He was Bobby Love now. And if that was good enough for Cheryl, why complicate things? Right. So in 1985, the couple married and had four children. What? But Bobby Love never told Cheryl the truth about his past. He knew she was too good too honest, and that if she knew, she'd make him turn himself in. Plus, he thought, Bobby Love has no criminal record. Bobby Love is a deacon at his church and is a good man. So for 40 years, Bobby Love said nothing. Wow. Until the FBI pulled him out of bed and out of the life that he had known and been terrified of losing. That was in 2015. That was the start of my story. Yeah, yeah. So now we're going to switch over to Cheryl's perspective from things. There was a piece missing, Cheryl said. All these years, I loved my husband and he loved me, but something was missing. All the things that had bothered Cheryl during their marriage finally made sense. Like, Bobby never wanted his picture taken. Bobby always thought people were watching him. And Bobby never really, truly, completely, fully opened up. He always held back a part of himself. But Bobby was a provider. He always worked two or three jobs. He cooked and cleaned and spent time with the kids. And Cheryl convinced herself that people are different. And maybe that's just the way that Bobby shows love. But it was hard for Cheryl. And it wore her down. She cried a lot. And she prayed for God to change her husband's heart. To make him more open and honest with her. 
Then her world came crashing down. Bobby was arrested, and Cheryl was convinced the entire city was laughing at her. People would ask, you knew about this, right? Like, you had to know. But Cheryl didn't know. Right. 40 years of marriage, four children, and she never knew, never even suspected. She felt so stupid. When Cheryl finally returned to work, everybody got really quiet when she came in. And Cheryl took a big old breath and said, don't just stand there. I need some love. Give me some hugs. <laughs> and I love this woman because she was, she was embarrassed, but she yeah. was also open. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to pretend that like, this thing didn't happen to right, me. Right, right. So Cheryl was embarrassed, yes. But she was hurt more than anything. Yeah. And she was angry. But she never hated Bobby. She wanted to comfort him. She wanted to hold his hand. Yeah. When Cheryl first went to visit Bobby in prison, he broke down in tears and he told Cheryl, I know you're going to leave me. But Cheryl said, no, Bobby, love. <laughs> I married you for better or for worst. And right now, this is the worst. Oh, shit. And after that, Cheryl went to work writing letters to the governor, to President Obama. Yeah. She gathered testimonials from everyone who had ever met Bobby Love. She testified on his behalf. She told the judge she didn't know a damn thing about Walter Miller, yeah. but she could tell them a whole lot about the man she knew as Bobby Love. And after that, the parole board, they took mercy on him. Wow. And after only spending a year in jail, Bobby got to come home. Oh, thank God. So the day he was set free, Cheryl sat Bobby down and asked... What is it? Are we the loves or are we the millers? And Bobby replied, we love. We love. So she had him change his name legally this time. Yeah. And Cheryl will admit that things between her and Bobby, they're not perfect. She still feels some resentment and harbors a little bit of anger, but yeah. knows that she chose to forgive Bobby and that she can't hold on to this lie that he told her because that's not the kind of marriage she wants. No. Things are better for everyone now, Cheryl says. We've got no secrets. He doesn't have to hide anymore. He looks at me when I'm speaking, and he's hearing me too. Mm. And this is why I love Cheryl more than anything. This is a direct quote. Yeah. I used to just go along, but I told him one thing. I said, Bobby, I'll take you back, but I'm not taking a back seat to you because I got my own story to tell. I might, not have, I might not have escaped from prison and started a whole new life and hid it from my family, but I forgave the man who did. Shoot. Oh, my God. Chills. The end oh of the God. best fucking story ever. I love her so much. So check out Humans of New York. Yeah, we'll, we'll link it in there. We'll link it. It's The photos are everything, and it's They're just so good. such a beautiful story. Yeah. And for me, it's the story is about Cheryl. I don't blame him, though. I feel like I would do the same right, thing. Like, Wait, can I ask one question? Yeah. How did they find him? They and never, why did they fucking care? Like, well, they never go into how they actually don't cover oh, that in okay. the blog about how just, the cops found him. Yeah. But ultimately, if you um, escape from prison and you have a, a, you're in prison for 30 years and you escape, like they are always going to be looking for you. Hmm. Like you don't just get to be like, well, good on you. Wait, how long was he there for? So he escaped in 1977. I think he must have been there for a handful of years, maybe yeah, five, yeah. five to seven years. But like, who turned him in? Okay, I know that's not. They didn't give. I know. I wish I knew. But I like, even like tried to find what more details. Dick, like, did that? I but don't know. Or they just were on to him, you know? I guess so. One but of the things that I loved yeah. was so I mentioned how he got 
a social security card yeah. and a birth certificate right. and a driver's license. Oh, yeah. And he really does talk about how, so he went to like a social security office and pretended that he'd like lost all of his documentation uh-huh. and this woman gave him a, a social security yeah. like card and number. So then he got himself a birth certificate and he scratched the name off of it and retyped in Bobby Love and then Xerox copied it so many times until you couldn't tell that it had been scratched. Like oh, he just wow. kept copying it and copying it and copying it and Smart. copying it. And then some you have to get that notarized, right? So he yeah. went to a notary and convinced the notary he, they wouldn't sign it because they were like, mm, it's not 100% right, right, but it's not wrong, but it's not yeah. right. So the notary stamped it but wouldn't sign it. So he mm-hmm. had the notary, but it wasn't an actual signature. And then he said he went to the DMV and he got really lucky because there was a man behind the counter that looked the other way and just was like, Yep, okay, that's fine. Here's your driver's license. Wow. And so he had a lot of help along the way. And he really did like change his life and was yeah. a good man. But I think what's most fascinating about this yeah. is when you're reading through just these small little gorgeous excerpts from this blog, there there's no filler in between, right? It's like photo right. excerpt. And you read and you read it and you're just like <gasps> captivated. Yeah. But also at the same time, I feel like you really did get a sense of Cheryl's pain. Yeah. throughout the course of their marriage not I mean if if my husband didn't look me in the eyes I'd be right. like hello he never really never really talked to me no I can't never do really it. heard me and so what I love the most about the story isn't so much that she she realized because this all went down that she loved him because she yeah. didn't hate him right all she wanted to do was comfort him and hold his hand yeah. but that she also realized that she had been walking on eggshells and kind of letting him dictate all of the terms of their marriage because mm-hmm. that was just the way things were. And that that by forgiving him, by standing by him, by ultimately helping to free him, yeah. she also took complete power back in their relationship. Right. I'm sure they have a much better, it seems and, like it. And you that know? is why I love the story is because yeah. she basically in the end was like, I want you to be my husband, but I don't want the marriage that we had before I found out about all of this. I want you to be honest with me. Oh my God. And also she's like, and bitch, I saved your life. So (laughs) try, try to give me shit another day, another day in our life. Yeah, no way. So that was my Valentine's Day. I love it. I love it so much. Thank you for that one. That one is so much more happier than mine. Well, that's why I said I'll go second. Oh, (laughs) When yeah, you were okay. telling me yours was murder-suicide, yeah. I was like, mine's a little more upbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But check out Humans of New York, you guys. We yep. will link to it yep. um, when we post the episode. But I just fucking loved it. Plus, Bobby Love. Are we I the know. loves or are we the Millers? Love. We love. We love. Uh, I love you, Bobby Love. And Cheryl Love. And Cheryl Love, you're my hero. I know. And the four children that are probably, they're younger than me. I mean, prob- pro- they got probably. married in 85. Or they're our age at the yeah. very least. Yeah. Um, so crazy. And, but yeah, God, I can only imagine being like having all those secrets, but you know, cause I have the kids and when they're little, they're so innocent and sweet and, right. and I'm, I bet he just felt so grateful to have them. Well, and what's so interesting too is, you know, the family like, even when she's had. describing like his flaws, she says, but he was, he always provided for his family. Yeah. He worked like a job two and three jobs yeah he sh- cooked he cleaned he showed up for his children yeah he just was withholding yeah. a large part of himself 
because he thought he and couldn't share it. Truthfully, it seems like he got the shit end of the stick. I mean, yes, and it was an unfair system. I mean, like yeah. the fact that he ended up incarcerated at the age of fourteen for being like Sam Cooke ain't shit when he walked off stage after only performing two songs yeah. at a concert. All these people showed up for. It's like you don't go to jail for that. I'm just like mad at the you know police officers because well, all of them. And one of the things that I think is interesting too is. So how he had become like a model inmate, got transferred down to minimum security, was really flourishing yeah. there. And then because a, a fucking, what do you call him, corrections officer who was yeah. like the head honcho was called a name in the darkness and just yeah. decided with no proof yeah. or anything that Bobby, Lo or sorry, that Walter Miller was the one that said that, that right. he started to punish him any little thing that he would could punish him that for and that made so that situation unfair. unlivable yeah. and like he had to his his choices were back to maximum security or shit was yeah. dark or escape and so he also i feel like kind of was put in a position where having to run away from prison and get out of there was like it's that or die yeah I and mean, so I part would. of me totally gets that too. Although for me, this whole story is about Cheryl and I love her so much. That's right. Cheryl, you are a saint and we love you. Happy Valentine's Day, Cheryl. Yes. I hope you get a box of chocolates with I hope, every flavor that I you want. I hope Bobby Love buys you fucking 40 boxes of chocolate. I'm going to buy chocolate for my love. Yeah. I'm just going to buy one of those big ones with a heart and like all of them and the kids will have a blast with it. I love chocolate, like I said. I love Especially that. Especially when that. I don't know. I'm more of a center. gummy person, which is annoying. I mean, I love me, that but. too. But, <laughs> but I do love chocolate. Um, you know what I really love? When I was um, in fifth grade, before you're supposed to be even like dating anybody, mm -hmm. but I, my, the first person, not dating or whatever. No, but, I just love like, it. Before the, you're supposed to be dating <laughs> in fifth grade. Um, a, a boy liked me and he asked me, whatever, if we could go out, which is a thing that nobody really understands. You're not really going anywhere. You just say, Can right, you, you want to go out? And you're grade. like, yeah, I'll go out. Um, his name was Clark Jackson and his mom Ooh. was amazing. His mom was Clark this beautiful Jackson. woman. Her name was Mercedes. I just remember because I was, I thought she was so beautiful. Anyways, he, he kind of had a, I think a little bit of a like, anyways, we were like, we're, we're going out, whatever. So very, very naive and, you know, sweet, <laughs> but he gave me, I might've been for Valentine's day. I think chocolate covered gummy bears. And to oh. this day, thank you, Clark. It is my favorite. Well, can I, tell I love you, them? Can so I tell much. you a really random story? Yes. So when I moved to New York City, I was 22 years old and I moved with two of my greatest girlfriends to this day of all time, Michelle Nikuminesh. Oh, I shouldn't use last name. Michelle okay. and Teresa. Sorry if I just totally Beautiful blew up your women. last name. Gorgeous, amazing, wonderful women. And it was my 23rd or 24th birthday, but I want to say 23rd. So we had only lived there for a year. And Michelle bought me. And I shit you not, I had tried. She had come home with some fucking chocolate covered gummy bears from Dean and DeLuca. Ooh, and I was like, disgusting. And oh. she said, no, just try these. Yep. And I took one and I was like, oh, holy shit. That's the best thing I've ever had. Yeah. So cut to my birthday where there's this really heavy box. That's my gift for Michelle. And it was like five pounds of chocolate covered <laughs> gummy bears. I shit you not. She said she went to Dylan's candy bar on the Upper East Side. Yes, oh, and Dylan. she cleared them out of chocolate covered. And I ate that shit I for love years. Her. Oh I put God. it in the freezer. They never yes. went bad. And then guess what? When I moved to LA, yeah. Miss Miss Michelle and all of our other wonderful lady coven friends got me another giant bag no way. of chocolate Stop covered it. gummies that <gasps> I ate and kept in the freezer oh my God. until I finished them a little bit like right before we moved out of I'm getting a bag of them because yeah. I'm having a little party with lots of people boys and girls and 
people and gummies for my chocolate for covered. the 14th. And I'm going to get a bowl of that because that sounds amazing. Yes. So cheers to Valentine's and yep. Galentine's yes. and chocolate covered gummy bears. God bless everybody. We love you guys. Oh, God. Love is not the word to describe it. It's obsession. I love you guys so much. <laughs> well, see you next week. We'll time. talk to you next week. Not see you. Talk to you. Speak to you. Holler at you. Bye.